Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Lynx Magazine Golf Podcast. We're here in the Lynx Magazine offices, uh, set up on our conference room table for what will hopefully be the first of many podcasts that we record. My name is Graylin Loomis. Um, I'm joined by co-host Ian Kreitzer. Ian, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing, guys? How are we doing? Uh, great to be here. Awesome. Well, today we're going to talk about a recent trip that I uh, just returned from at the time of recording, uh, and I went to England. Yeah, and play golf uh, across southern England. So, uh, so we'll, we'll jump right into that, um, talking about how that kind of got uh, how that kind of got set up. So, what was the initial, um, I guess, start? How did this whole idea come up? So, this started with um, goes back a long way. My wife is from southern England, so I often go over and visit her family for holidays, for Christmas. So I've kind of looked and seen how could I tie in some golf to a family trip. <laughs> as we all do. As, as you do. <laughs> um, so this has always kind of been on my radar. And then I guess it was about a year ago, um, I got to play at Force Dunes with Tom Doak. Right. And he, um, he, had, he told me a story about a golf course owner that he worked for who basically said, hey, Tom, we want to play golf in the UK. We're going to take a private jet over. There's no budget. There's no time constrictions. We could get a helicopter if we need. Tell us where we ought to go, you know, if you could just literally have the world. And Tom actually sent them down to southern England. And this is out of all of the UK? Out of the entire UK. So they, they could have gone to, like, the far northern reaches of Scotland. They could have gone anywhere they wanted. But Wow. So big, you know, big endorsement there. And High praise from Tom Doak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Tom sent them to Southern England specifically to play St. Enidoc, and Tom got to go on the trip. So <laughs> um, I kind of filed that away in my head of, wow. oh, okay, this, this is something else. Definitely. And then all of this actually really uh, kind of formalized and became firm when I got an email from a guy named Rob McGurk. Um, who is the GM and owner at Prince's Golf Club down in uh, southeast England. Um, he, in his email, was telling me about the, their Himalayas golf course and the fact that it had just been redone by Martin Ebert. And um, that kind of got my brain going, okay, maybe this is the catalyst. Maybe this is the thing I need uh, to actually get this going. Definitely, definitely. So from there, um, spoke with our bosses here at Lynx and got the trip uh, kind of, prior, uh, I guess, early approval. And I started planning. And, you know, I went back to the source. I actually went and found my copy of uh, Tom Doak's Confidential Guide and for the UK. Right. Um, and started kind of thinking, okay, where do I want to play and maybe this is shallow, maybe not, but I kind of base the initial um, look at wanting to hit the southwest coast mm-hmm. and the southeast coast. Um, and then once I kind of had both of those locked down, I, I thought it'd make a nice kind of east versus west sort of uh, tent for the article. Right. And I started looking at the doke scores for some of these courses. and. Which isn't shallow. I mean, yeah. that's what everyone does with yeah. with looking at you know courses and where to go anywhere in the world. So it's a starting point. It yeah, definitely it, is. It's a good starting point. It definitely and is. I um, I realized very quickly, as with 
almost every golf trip that I've ever done, oh man, I could spend, you know, two weeks just in each section, let alone kind of three days and three days. So, so it was very hard to pick, I'm sure, between, you know, to pick and choose because you, you get the local tent, what you've heard about, what you've seen pictures of. And, and I'm sure that everyone was telling you from different, different yeah. ways. Like, how, oh, how did you've you got to see this. You oh see yeah. That. Oh yeah. yeah. How, how did you end up deciding on, on which ones to, uh, to go to? Well, it, it was kind of a mix of, of a number of things. Um, but in the end it was time constraints that determined right. a lot. <laughs> um, I ended up, uh, deciding to fly into London mm-hmm. and then immediately just drive down to, um, the, the counties of Cornwall and Devon. Okay. Um, which are uh, south, southwest yeah, exactly. uh, England. Right? Southwest England. And from there, I started looking at where I could find accommodation. And then based on the amount of time I had, you know, what's a feasible driving distance. Right. And based on where I could book my accommodation, I ended up in an Airbnb. Uh, my wife came on this trip and we shared um, an Airbnb on a farm, which was oh, wow. charming uh, and so cool. And uh, no Wi-Fi, and we had a little kitchen, and it, it that, was it was that's awesome. awesome. That, that's really really cool. It was very cool, but you know, I didn't want to do like a three-hour morning drive down to the no. very far reaches of Cornwall, and then you know haul back and be tired and exhausted. And so I ended up choosing Santon's East Course. Okay. Um, that was the northernmost course, uh, St. Enidoc, okay. um, which was the southernmost course, mm-hmm. and then Royal North Devon and Westward Ho. Westward Ho, right. I might be wrong about that. Maybe Royal North Devon is the most northerly. I should know that. We'll, we'll, we'll have to check at some point. Either way, but, no, uh, actually, listeners, you should go read my uh, my article in Links Digital because <laughs> sh- sh- it, there's a map. Sh- shameless plug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, it um, all the courses are kind of right there. Um so the first round, we flew in mm-hmm. to Heathrow and drove about three hours okay. straight to Saunton. Got there about 10 minutes before my tea time. Oh, wow. And literally upon pulling into the parking lot, it started raining. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. So I was prepared, threw on my rain suit. Right. Um, and it, if anyone's been to Saunton, they'll know what I'm talking about. But you walk out of the... Um, parking lot and kind of round a corner around a hedge and all of a sudden you're met with the most expansive view of dunes and lynx land I maybe that I've ever seen oh, wow. I, I mean it, it, it was way up there and you kind of naturally just stop and think whoa hold on it, yeah. you know this this is going to be special and they've got two courses there but enough land that <laughs> they could have six courses. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so uh, checked in, went out to the East Course first tee, hit my drive. Um, you know, in the summer in the UK, it's uh, light very, very late. So I was teeing off at a 6 p.m. tee time. Oh, wow. Um, but I wanted to get around because I wanted to have dinner uh, <laughs> right. afterwards. So I didn't want to finish at like 10 p.m. Right. Um, so ended up uh, teeing off, had three holes of rain, and that was the only rain the entire trip. Oh, so it started raining. So you had the we had one, two, three at sun yep. of rain, and, and then, that and was then nothing. And I wore wow. shorts and a shirt basically the rest of the so trip. So no wind gear, no rain gear, no no um, nothing. 
Well, a sweater. A, a, a sweater. A sweater. Okay. And I, I mean, I can't say shorts the whole trip. Royal St. George's and a couple other courses um, basically prefer pants if you wear Fair shorts. Enough. You know, there are these traditional places where right. if you wear shorts, you actually have to wear knee-high socks. Um, um, which a lot of people kind of find wear funny. Pants. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm just going to wear pants. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have any knee-high socks kicking around, and I didn't feel like buying any in the pro shop. So. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I'm surprised you don't have any knee-high knee socks. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have a bunch in my, in my drawer. <laughs> just keep them, keep them handy. Oh, man. Um, so Saunton was special. I, right. I, I would I'd say that... It reminded me of some of the Irish courses I've seen. The green sites all sit kind of nestled into or on top of mm-hmm. or beneath these big dunes. And it's really, really cool. Right. Um, every green felt different. All of the bunkering around the greens was very, very cool. And I right. think what made it was a, each little dune system you know it's all one big dune system right. but each little dune grouping is different and they didn't really change them they just kind of built the greens into them so it didn't feel for like a forest didn't uh, feel forest yeah. at all right. um yeah the, the place has a lot of cool history which some of which i go into in in my article um and we won't really go into here but uh those greens were very very special if the tee shots and fairways had had similar um, kind of interest mm-hmm. and some did others didn't right um, it would be like one of the top courses in England oh, I mean wow. really really cool greens I, I absolutely loved it and, and the greens definitely can you know make the course and 18 special greens is exactly is, is, is tough to beat but uh, you yeah. know so it, it, it had if, just extra little bump of, of you know special tees and, and fairways then it would be <clears> as you said exactly and yeah. without those greens yeah, it would, it would just no, be nothing else really matters. So, you know? so was it? What was the um, the location like? Because I, I know that you know other courses in Cornwall are sitting on you know these kind on of the cliffs dramatic and, cliffs, and was yeah. Saunton kind of the same deal? Or that's a great question. Um, Saunton is not on the water, so okay. it it sits back. Um, I'd say maybe a quarter mile, okay. um, maybe even a little less from the water and from the course. You never really have any ocean views or any expansive okay. ocean views, but in that area, there's just this very, very large section of lynx land okay. in between kind of the fertile, um, you know, agricultural land mm-hmm. and the beach. And okay. in some places, that strip of lynx land is very narrow. Um, right there at Saunton, it is very, very wide. Gotcha. So, you know, you don't have or you didn't have any kind of crazy views where you're thinking, Oh my gosh! You know, is this the Pebble Beach of of England? Right. But um, from a pure kind of links golf point of view, it, it made a jaw hit the floor. S- special, yeah, yeah. That definitely. And that just shows you know a further testament of how good the greens and the and the landscape was. It didn't have those ocean views that might not skew but prop um, it up a little bit prop up you know how good a course you know might be that's true um especially from someone who's played as much links golf as you have that's you know pretty pretty uh uh, good compliment yeah it it was a special place now talking about cliffs that brings us to the next course saint ina dock saint ina dock (laughs) um saint ina dock is built on this very, very dramatic kind of rolling, tumbling, 
um, diving. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to describe it. Roller coaster esque. Roller coaster esque land that's overlooking this beautiful bay, and then on the other side of the bay is this gorgeous little village called Padstow. That's kind of everything that you picture about, um, you know. Yeah, English holiday villages. Idyllic. Very idyllic. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that a little okay. bit right? after Perfect. the round. No, that's a nice little teaser. Yeah, yeah but we went over there and, and had lunch. But St. Enidoc, um lived up to all the praise I had heard from everyone. and That was the anchor that, that it, Doak it, originally mentioned, That correct? was what, yeah, that was where Doak sent those okay. people. And while Prince's was kind of the anchor that got this whole trip going, St. Nina Dock was certainly the anchor down in Cornwall right. and Kent. Right. That, um, I was excited to see it, and it lived up to all the praise. My wife, who doesn't play golf, walked the course with me, and even she was kind of sitting there saying, oh, man, this is special. That, that's awesome. Um, so the, the course has tons of character, everything you expect with Lynx Land, but it's not in that traditional kind of flat in the dunes right next to the water. You're up on cliffs, which right. makes it all the more dramatic. And then um, technically St. Enidoc has a couple courses, but I played the church course, which is okay. the, the famous one, and it's called the church course because on the back nine – there's this famous 12th century church that is built. Um, the course kind of loops around it, and reading the history of this church was actually really interesting. It, it sits yeah. down in the dunes, and at one point it was completely buried by sand, oh, wow. um, just up to the top. Right. And um, it, it then was literally completely buried where you didn't even know there was a church there for a period of time after a big storm wow. and it was dug out and the dunes were stabilized and we have the church that you see there today. Right. There's a great picture um, that you took. It's, it's on it's on our social media, on particularly on Instagram. Yeah. Um, that, yep. that, that kind of gives you a feeling of, of what that church looks like if you haven't seen pictures of it before. Um, it's a very, very cool focal point in the round. Um, you know, it comes around the like 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th holes. Okay. And the whole front nine, you're sitting there thinking, man, these views are amazing. But you've kind of got this voice that's like, but there's that famous church view. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you've got the camera out. Don't waste all your battery or all the, all the SD card because, you know, I, I need to get that church Exactly. Shot. Exactly. Um, so it also, on the front nine, has this very cool dramatic hole that you'll see whenever you see pictures of St. Enidoc. With the, with the bunker. Exactly. Right, okay. Exactly, with the giant Himalayas yeah. bunker. So it's similar to what you'd actually, what you see on the, what is it, the fourth hole at Royal St. George's. Um, but it is this gigantic bunker that's kind of scraped and cut out of this huge dune. And the hole curls around it. So depending where the pin is, you might not be able to see the pin behind. Just because the, that bunker, bunker is, yeah. And it sits up kind of in this dune, exactly. right? And it's like, yeah. Um, it, it's from the tee, you can see the left edge of the green, right. but you can't really see the center or right of the green. And golfers are left with a choice. Do I play out to the big, fat, wide part of the fairway? Mm -hmm. And in turn, uh, it's a much easier tee shot, but I have to then hit this blind shot up over the, the massive dune, bring the bunker into play, and have a blind shot in. Right. Or do I play the much harder tee shot down the very left edge, flirting with very thick rough mm -hmm. in order to have you know a shot 
excuse me, a shot that I can take straight at the green, straight right. at the left edge. And, you know, it's that that great risk reward sort of balance. Right. And, and not in the typical, uh, not a typical hazard either. That would exactly. be exactly that we would find on American <clears throat> American courses. You would never see it anywhere other than one of these ancient links. Right. You know, somebody would be, you know, shot for that. It's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, what were you thinking? Um, so there, the whole course is amazing views, but you get to a point where you think, oh boy, I want to play, I want to see that bunker. I want to see the church and everything else is just like, yeah, amazing window dressing on the two big focal points. Exactly. Exactly. So, so so after the round, you, uh, you went down and, and got lunch at Padstow. Exactly. So they, that sounds like a pretty straightforward thing. Oh, you went and had lunch. Big deal. Right. But exactly. But there's a big harbor kind of estuary. And if you were to drive from St. Anadoc, um, or since the town that St. Enadoc is in is called Rock, um, like a stone. Yep, Rock. M- m- makes sense, yeah. <laughs> um, if you were to drive it, you'd have to go all the way down to the bridge and come back, and it's actually like an annoyingly long 40-minute drive. And you're looking across the harbor. And you can see it. You know, it's, it's, it's like right like, there. That's a par six away. <laughs> um, like, I, I don't want to drive 40 minutes to get there. Right. So, how, so, so you, there's a ferry yeah, that, okay. that, that crosses. Gotcha. Cool. And it, but it's not even a normal ferry. It's uh, where you you know stand on a pier and, and load up. Mm-hmm. You stand on the beach in this kind of, uh, you know, loose form line. Yeah. Um, this boat pulls up and just beaches itself, <laughs> like pulls up onto the sand and the front of the uh, the boat goes down. Wow. You walk on, you pay your two pounds, or I think it was three pounds return, you know, to yeah. get your return journey included. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the front of the boat comes back up and they, they throw it in reverse and you know, back off the sand. And it, so wow. if the tide is in, um, you know, the, the launch point is much higher right? and it just constantly moves throughout the day. So, you know, as the tide goes yeah. out, the line kind of keeps <laughs> moving down. And, um, so it, it was this, this fun little thing that added to lunch. It was only, you know, with the tide out, you have to go around a sandbar. So it's, you know, five minutes to get to the other right. side. As opposed to 40 minute driving, as, as but opposed, that's no fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you don't have the story. So exactly. And well, and I imagine parking in Padstow, <laughs> you know, from what I saw would have been a nightmare. Right. Um, but we got fish and chips on the other side. It's this quintessential, you know, we sat there on the harbor and had an ice cream and, you know, it, it just, it made a round of golf turn into kind of this very, very cool experience that, right. that all, you know, think back to St. Nina Dock and Padstow and, and it, it all just be as one and, and not, you know, it wasn't just a round of golf, you know, and it was a day. It, it, yeah, it, was, a day. it was an adventure. That, that's awesome. And, and it was awesome that, you, that Lucy got to go your wife as yeah, well. Exactly. Um, she loved it. Um, you know, we played in, I don't know, probably three hours. It's a beautiful walk, got a little exercise, yeah. burned off, you know, the fish part of our fish and chips. I think I'm still storing the the chips part uh, on my waistline. But um, no, it it was a blast. And from there, 
we drove right back up about an hour and a half to our B&B, an hour and a half north, um, where we were staying right near um, the town of Westward Ho, uh, where you'll find Royal North Devon, which was the third and final round that I played in Cornwall. Perfect. Perfect. Um, And so a little bit of backstory behind the town name of of Westward Ho, because you and I discussed this. And I was a little bit confused initially, so the listeners might be uh, might be a little bit confused as well. Yeah, Westward Ho is based off a famous novel. Um, it, you know, most towns are um, <laughs> it, the subjects of novels. This one's reversed, where the town was one. named after the novel um, by Charles Kingley, a famous book that was published back in 1855. Right. Um, so, you know, reading up on Westward Ho, I, I heard it referred to as like, oh, a developer town. It doesn't have the character of some of these old places because it's so new. And, you know, ba- new as opposed to, Well, I, I was going to say, based on our, you know, American uh, standards, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, you know, some land development group came in Cookie in the 1980s and, <laughs> and, you know, threw in a, uh, this or that. Yeah. Well, no, it was a group trying to capitalize on the popularity of this Charles Kingley novel called right. Westward Ho. That's Westward Ho with uh, the, an the exclamation, exclamation point. point. Um, so that was back in 1855, and we went over and had breakfast in Westward Ho and then drove out to Royal North Devon, which is, technically speaking, the oldest English club oh, wow. remaining on its original site. Okay. Um, so that land is kind of a, an interesting mix. They, the golf course plays out across kind of flat... I wouldn't even call it lynx land. It is lynx land, but flat kind of agricultural land for two holes. By the third hole, you're out by this coastline, and you start to see like, ooh, okay, this is about to take off. Right. And holes three through ten are right along the coast, and it's just absolutely gorgeous lynx land. After the tenth, it goes back into the kind of flatter agricultural land. and in all cases, it's it's a kind of master class in using angles and pushed up greens mm-hmm. and bunkering to create interest on flat land. Right. They actually kind of have the interest already with the um, in the lynx land because of the dunes and rolling hills exactly. and everything. But as opposed to just the flat agricultural land, it was it was, it made it that much more interesting that the the angles were <laughs> utilized and and the greens were pushed up, like you said, and uh, other aspects. Of, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it was. Um, I would go back again just for holes three through ten. I mean, it's oh, wow. that good. Now, yeah. where this gets interesting, a couple things, um, and we'll jump back to kind of the feel and character of the place. But uh, that section of coastline is eroding really badly um, oh, and okay. washing out to sea. And apparently, in early 2018, um, a big chunk of coastline—we're talking like 47 feet deep washed out to sea, oh, wow. nearly taking out a couple greens. So Jeez. Um, they, they already have what they call seed defenses there, like mm. this massive kind of stone tide wall. Right. Um, but that washed away. And the conservation group that manages that land um, in England has basically said we're not rebuilding the defenses there. Mm-hmm. Um, so those greens need to move. Um, which is interesting because yeah. if they then move into the kind of flatter agricultural land, um, you know, they'll be losing two really cool green sites. Right. So 
now might be the time to play it. It is what I'm getting B- at. Book your trips, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> book yeah. your trips now. Yeah. A, another cool aspect is that um, the course is built on what's called uh, kind of, I forget the term, uh, but local grazing land. Right. Um, you know, in, in the UK, you have what's called the right to roam. So, Technically speaking, someone can walk across your land, walk across your property, and that's one reason that even courses like Muirfield or um, North Berwick or the old course, people just kind of wander across them with their dogs, and it's what lends to that special UK experience. Imagine doing that here. Oh, yeah. Imagine being like, hello, Pine Valley. I'd like to walk my dog (laughs) on your course. (laughs) You know, you'd you'd be uh, politely asked to leave. Um, (laughs) But it's welcomed over there. and, uh, And like some of the other courses in the UK, Westward Ho or Royal North Devon is um, actually grazing land. So oh, there are sheep and goats and actually horses like all over the course. It's <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. they. they uh, I, I took a couple of pictures of sheep like just hanging out in a bunker. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I would have done if I hid it in that bunker. I guess go in there and be like, okay, time, all right, time to leave. Sheep, go Get out. Yeah. Um, but Lucy went over and like walked up near the horses, didn't get you know too close because right. you don't want to spook them and they aren't ours. Um, right. Uh, but the whole thing adds up to this very, very cool experience where, you know, where are you playing? And there's like wild horses next to the greenside bunker and, you know, there are goats and sheep, uh, you know, walking across the hanging fairways, out. hanging out. And it adds up to this kind of like, this is kind of the pure, yeah, this is what the, golf is about. And, and absolutely. You, know, you strip back all the pretense and everything, and you're left with like this cool Lynx golf nugget down in Cornwall. Um, amazing. That, absolutely it, amazing. The clubhouse um, was one of my favorite spots because you can imagine, of course, that old. Has a history. Um, has a ton of history. Yeah. Uh, an absolute ton of history. And inside, everyone was unbelievably friendly. And even more than that, um, they just uh, have artifacts and clubs and boards that have all of their... Um, all of their, you know, past, I wouldn't even call them club championships because they're like individual competitions. Right. But so much history. And we walked around for a long time looking at all the old pictures. And um, even better, if you have lunch there, you can kind of sit in these big glass bay windows and look out. And it was a sunny day. It just added up to just perfection. Everything, everything I'd wanted. I mean, the club dates back to 1864, so you can imagine. Wow. Yeah. That there are uh, there are a lot of things to like about it. Um, one other thing, not to delve too deeply into history or architecture, but the course was laid out by Old Tom Morris, you know, of Scotland and St Andrews fame. Right. Um, you don't see a ton of Old Tom Morris courses in Southern England. You can imagine that would have been a very long way to travel. Back in you know the mid eighteen hundreds, so they, they, that was that, that was kind of cool. I, I loved that connection to St Andrews with you know my love for St Andrews. So. Yeah, for the former former lo- local. Yeah, former local boy yeah, almost. exactly, yeah. exactly. So that kind of concluded the the southwest. A, a nice conclusion in, in in Cornwall for sure. Um, one more quick note about the name as well. There's a yeah. lot of uh, there's a lot of courses, I guess, and clubs and 
that are just referred to by the town's name. So Royal, like Royal North Devon, a lot of people would just call it Westward Ho. Exactly. And same with, we'll get, kind of get into this as we get into the Kent area as well. But um, like, Royal St. Ports is right, another. Right. It's right. called Deal. It's called Deal. Um, yeah. After the local town. And uh, sometimes you'll hear Royal St. George is referred to as Sandwich. Right. Uh, for the local town there. And, you know, you, you find that um, they, that's even more popular in England, but you still find it in Scotland. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I think about uh, um, Old Moray is uh, often called Lazy Mouth you know, for, for the local town. Right. But, um, so that brought us to the driving day. And th- this was one of those things that kind of helped me determine where I was going to play. I knew that there was going to be a day that I needed to get from the southwest, southwest to the southeast. southeast. And right. England looks small, you know, I on a map you're like, man, yeah, you know, if I drive from our offices here in Hilton Head, South Carolina to um, you know, Asheville, North Carolina, that's uh, you know, three hundred and eighty miles and I can do that in four hours. This is only two hundred miles. No, like you, you just can't plan for that because no. even once I, you get on the big motorways, you're still dealing with you know bad traffic and small roads to get there. And did, do you go through London at all on the way back? Or? Yeah, so we drove up. Uh, we actually stopped for breakfast or brunch in Bath, a okay. cool old Roman yep. city, and then drove out across and um, caught the Southern Ring Road around London, mm-hmm. um, and then you head down. Uh, from there. Now, um, once you get to London, you're actually pretty close. Uh, right. the, the real drive is from London down to you know Cornwall and and vice versa. Right. But I'm glad I didn't play a round of golf that day. Um, you know, I good to rest. Part, part and... of me thought I could play a round of golf in that morning, and then we'll do the drive in the afternoon. It ended up taking with traffic and really bad rain like seven hours. Oh my gosh. Um, now it should have taken closer to six, but Really bad rain caused flash flooding, and you know it, it just kind of turned into this. It was good that that was your driving day. And, yeah, like and I'm not... glad it was the driving day. Um, it it worked out well. It meant that I had a rest day. It meant that we could stop and bath and kind of explore and have brunch, and there there was no rush. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so then we drove down and headed straight to our accommodation in um, the Kent. You know, Kent is the large county, right? But where we were staying in Kent, which was uh, an area called Sandwich Bay, okay. and I was staying at the lodge at Prince's Golf Club. So oh, nice. Prince's has built um, this really nice accommodation right on the golf courses. So if you look left, you see Royal St. George's. Mm-hmm. If you look right, you see Prince's. And if you could kind of see over some houses and over a big section of dunes, you'd see Royal St. Ports. They're all within five minutes of each other, and there's actually an event um, that it might be a bucket list item for me now that I've heard about <laughs> it, where golfers play all three courses in a day, but like front nine, and then you hop over some dunes and play, or front nine of Royal St. Porch, you hop over and play a few holes of Royal St. George's, hop over and play Prince's, right, and then turn back around, and because all of these are loosely um, kind of except for Royal St. George's out and back. You, you can play all the way up 
and all the way back and play all the courses, all the holes in a day. That would be amazing. <laughs> the, the, that's like the American, the American equivalent would be like playing Shinnecock National and then Maidstone, Sub, like if Maidstone you, or, or Sabonic yeah. or something. Yeah, if you could just kind of hop over the fence and do right. it. Right, which maybe, <laughs> maybe not the best idea, but in England it's, it's passable. It, it'd be another one where you'd be politely asked to leave. Yeah, yeah. unless you had very good friends on, yeah. on the other side of the fence. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we... It was perfect. We were able to just set up in the lodge. Um, it was really nice, modern accommodation, big room, fast Wi-Fi, kind of the opposite of staying, you know, on the farm. Right. Um, but in a nice way, you know, you you had the comfort of staying on the course. And the long drive we had had the day before, it was perfect where it was like, do I walk to the course this morning or do I drive? You, you know, like I've got to go to Royal Sink Port. No, you I'll know drive. what? I'll drive. It's only five minutes. Yeah, yeah th- that sort of thing. And, and exactly, exactly. So that ended up being um, just absolutely perfect. And I would recommend it to, to anyone who goes down. It, it, it just made everything easy. There's a great bar downstairs. There's great food. You got everything you need. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I highly recommend uh, if you like lamb, getting the uh, lamb chops. Um, we're, we're recording this right before lunch, and he's just yeah. yeah I, I, my, my mouth's watering. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't get the lamb. I'm actually really jealous that I didn't. I got a burger. The burger was really good, but I wish I'd had the lamb. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> next time I'm, I'm sure you'll be back. Yeah. No, I'm I, sure I, I hope to. Um, so Royal Sink Ports was the first round okay. I played, and I was so excited. It was nothing but blue sky, absolutely perfect. Life was good. And we got out, and I was playing with uh, a guy named James Bledge, who's the course manager, superintendent there, seriously passionate guy. Who, right. His love for the place was just kind of contagious, where, you know, I, I was like preaching the gospel of Royal St. Ports on the first tee, and I'd never even seen the place. Um, <laughs> it was after spending a few minutes with him. Yeah, this just... was after like shaking his hand. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> just oozes, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we played the front nine, and I was blown away. It's such a cool course all in this dune system. So right. you've got sunken greens and you've got, you know, bulging greens, like a Pinehurst number two feel, um, you know, just everything, tons and tons of character. Um, and then we stopped at the halfway house for a drink, uh, walked out of the halfway house <laughs> and fog had rolled in. That was so thick <laughs> that I like couldn't see my hand in front of my face. <laughs> And, uh, you know, lesser men would have stopped. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> safer men probably would have stopped. Right. But we didn't stop. And Good. And uh, Bledge, as uh, his friends called him, and I count myself as a friend, uh, he, he would give me a line, you know, four inches in front of my ball and say, okay, you see that little, you know, blade of grass there. Hit it over that blade of grass. So I, I would just hit a drive, and he'd say— Just totally blind. He'd say— think that went down the right <laughs> so we we would just walk and you know once we had gotten to probably 280 out and we hadn't found it we'd think we'd say okay day, you know time to d- backtrack and what we just right. search for it i ended up losing you know like five six balls yeah, back nine. but, but it, it was so much fun once we got up to the greens i could see the green sites and they were just as special as the front. And that the last seven holes play into the prevailing wind. They're legendary. With the fog. <laughs> yeah, they, they're kind of considered some of the toughest finishing holes in England. I mean, really difficult. But it was um, it. 
for a way to start Kent that ticked all my boxes. Good. Traditional club, cool place, very very friendly, um, and awesome. and I, I just couldn't have had a better time. Um, just wish that fog maybe not rolled uh, yeah, in as heavy. I, I want to go back and play that back nine so badly. Right. Um, just when, when you can see it and it's all in front of you and you're not hitting, you know, uh, your line is a blade of grass five inches from your ball. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now it, it's um, interesting to note that. Um, this area of England was affected very, very dramatically by World Wars One and Two, right? Um, and Royal St. Ports was pretty much destroyed uh, during both wars. I mean, I say destroyed, very badly damaged during both wars when it was mm-hmm. used for training, target practice, um, and everything that came with you know defending the southern coast of England from. This oncoming German invasion, right? That they were, you know, sure was going to happen at some point, right? And um, almost because of that, um, they've had to rebuild twice, and it hosted the first Open Championship after World War II. Oh wow! So really, really cool. The only Open it, it ever hosted, and you've got um, this kind of open attitude toward change. So instead of thinking that they have this. Perfectly preserved, um, you know, never been touched art, you know, artifact of this was built this way in the late 1800s. It's never going to change. And, and like, I swear, if anybody so much as moves a T marker, we're going to go crazy. Yeah, you didn't have that. That's good. Uh, so th- that was really cool. And they've brought in um, McKinsey and Ebert, uh, you know, a British firm to to consult on some changes. Right. And. I can't wait to go back and play it again. One to see the back nine, but two to see some of the changes. Some subtle, making. subtle uh, tweaks that they've that they've made exactly. or will make. I guess exactly. Um, the next day we played Princes, which was not as affected during World War One. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it was actually a Scottish regiment that took over the course. Oh, so and th- <laughs> they had some respect for for golf and marked off the greens, uh, so oh, they wow. didn't destroy the greens. Everything else kind of got you know, taken out. And then World War II, yes. it was decimated. Yeah. It was actually used for like shelling practice and target practice, oh, and everything was destroyed. Yeah. Uh, so following that, uh, in between World Wars I and II, they hosted their first Open Championship and only Open Championship. Right. Um, so you have three Open Championship venues right in that area with Royal St. George's. Within a stone's throw. On, yeah, you know, within a spitting distance yeah. of each other. That's amazing. And it, that was about as cool as it could get. But uh, the 18-hole course following World War II was changed into 27. Oh, okay. So now you have a dunes course, the shore course, and the Himalayas. Himalayas. And the dunes and shore courses have a much more traditional links feel with, yeah. you know, uh, reveted pot bunkers and a kind of wavy links land. And it, it right. feels like you're playing an old classic links course. Right. Um, you actually play down to the lodge, um, and back, which is, oh, that's, that's a, cool. it's a cool feel. Yeah. Um, but one of the main things that, that I wanted to see and, you know, what at the root of this whole trip, started it all was the redesign of the Himalayas course. Right. So that um, was redone by Martin Ebert of McKinsey and Ebert. Uh, Those guys are, count my words, give it five years and they're going to be up in the conversation with, you know, who we consider to be kind of the big, big architects architects right now. 
they do amazing work right now. It's just the fact that it's kind of localized to the UK, um, and it's it's it hasn't quite caught on. They, their names haven't quite caught on like Hans's has, um, or Dokes or right, Court so, so they're like, they're, they're like the, uh, uh, Rob Collins of yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> almost and, yeah. And, and these guys have done small projects, big projects. Right. The one that everyone should know is uh, you know Turnberry. They, oh, okay. they redesigned the Ailsa course and the King Robert the Bruce course. Th- and, that's big time. Okay. And, I mean, like, big time. Right. Yeah, you know, seriously good work there. So um, uh, Ebert redid the the, the Himalayas course. Right. And um, I played it with Rob, uh, the owner and general manager, and he, uh, he drew a comparison that other journalists had made that once he said it, I started seeing it everywhere. It reminded me a lot of the Kiowa Island Ocean course. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, big sandy blowouts. Um, right. It's on land that doesn't drain quite as well as um, the dunes and shore courses. Right, which so makes they've, sense. So they've scraped out these big um, kind of low areas. So there's water on some of the holes, you know, something you don't usually see on a Lynx course. No, yeah. And it, it has that modern Lynx feel. And it has, um, it, it's just very cool. There's a dramatic par three, short par three that plays right out toward the ocean and beyond it in one direction you see white cliffs and in the other direction on a clear day you can actually see France. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, that's amazing. It, it it provides a totally different option among the three. Right. And, you know, good for Rob and, and everyone at Prince's. Right. It's a reason you kind of have to stay there and you ought to see it and you've got to play all three. If you only played two of the nines, you would you'd, be the you'd really experience. be leaving something on the table. Right. And um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, it. It's got a ton of history with Walter Hagen having won his Open there, you know, it, right. it's just packed full of history. And that's amazing too, because you know you had, you had that unique uh, historic aspect of it, as well as it's uh, you know kind of a modern links feel almost. But um, as far as my experience, you know, with hearing hearing uh, about people playing links courses, the newer courses built are maybe not as special, but but this one. Yeah, the, it, this one is is an essential part of of the prince's experience. Yeah, it is. It is, and you know, it doesn't have. Um, it's on that flat links land, so right. the architecture really has to speak for itself. You know, it's not up and on cliffs where you can kind of build. You know, any sort of course, and people leave with their jaw on the floor. Like right. it, it's got to be good. It's really interesting. Um, you know, we talked about the World War II history there and World War One history, mm-hmm. um, but you really see that, and it comes home on the Himalayas course because they actually have uh, replica Spitfire. Um, you know, like the plane the planes, propeller, yeah. just the propeller marking a point on the course. And, you know, of course, I asked and, and got the, the full explanation. Of course. Um, a guy named Laddie Lucas, uh, Laddie being a nickname, but mm. Laddie Lucas was a, um, an English Royal Air Force pilot. And he had tons of connection to princes, but he was actually born in the clubhouse there. Oh, wow. And during the war, um, he was flying over uh, northern France in his Spitfire. His plane was disabled, um, and he began flying towards England, kind of blind. Mm-hmm. He recognized where he was, and knowing that 
he was going to have to kind of put it down and you know, kind of crash land it, kind of land it, hobbled. Right. He landed on Prince's. Due to his local knowledge, he knew you know where there was a flat area of the course. So he hobbled it all the way back to the southwest coast and landed it on the spot on the Himalayas course wow. where yeah, they now have the Spitfire. And they had a, a couple old empty shells there, like mm. uh, artillery shells that they had dug up while doing the renovation. Right. Um, so it, it was, it's just very, very cool. A, a, cool, a, cool nod to, a cool nod to history, you know, maybe a darker time, but kind of helped shape the, the history of the club. And yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, Rob McGurk, uh, the owner, his family owns it. And their passion and love for the place is uh, kind of like Bledge at Royal St. Ports. Yeah. Was very, very infectious. Uh, infectious. And um, they have done a ton in the way of preserving that history. And in the lodge, they have a history room where they have old artifacts and kind of the history of the place. You know, you don't have a ton of these old classic Lynx courses that are owned by families. You know, most are owned by members um, or right. owned by municipalities. And they've done a ton to um, kind of protect what they have. And they have old guest books where you can see like Winston Churchill signed in as a guest of a member to play golf. And it, it's just, it's like you're sitting there holding a book from, you know, the 1930s, and you're like, Winston Churchill signed this thing. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's amazing. It, it's, it's, it's very, very cool. That, that, so. that's, that's not, you know, that's not something you come across no. in, in every day. So that's really, really cool. Uh, what what, what yeah. an experience. Yeah. What, what it, an experience. It's a cool, cool place. So the final round in uh, Sandwich was certainly the most famous course in that area, right. Royal St. George's. They've hosted... Um, Many uh, open championships, I believe 13 and their 14th will be um, in a few years, or maybe it's 14 and 15. I, I'd have to look. Um, but that place has just character for days. It's an old traditional English golf club, kind of like the Muirfield you know, what Muirfield is to Scotland, Royal St. George's is to England. No, no phones, especially. Yeah, like <laughs> no phones. Um, you go in, you really ought to arrive wearing coat and tie. You sit down, you have, you know, a beautiful breakfast and a coffee and toast. You change out of your clothes. You play either in twosomes, meaning like, you know, you and me playing, or foursomes, meaning four golfers playing alternate shot. So and, it's really like the Muirfield. Yeah, exactly. Of, so you play yeah. in the morning, you come back, you change back into your coat and tie. You have lunch, a big like four course lunch with a lot of wine and, you know, cocktails and, you know, cheese and dessert. And it's a full carvery. So, yeah. you know, prime rib and lamb and chicken and pork and everything you could ever want. Um, totally gained, <laughs> you know, gained weight with that lunch. Um, but... Uh, following that, you then would either head home or go back out and play again. So it, it is. W would you have been able to go back out and play again after that lunch? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought about well, it and be it, like, hmm. "Yeah, it, I was kind of in a food coma. I was driving that afternoon, so yeah, you know, didn't have oh, all the right. wine and cocktails. Right, but um, 
it, it would have been a big day. It, it's like Thanksgiving. It'd be like going out and playing yes. golf after after it, Thanksgiving dinner. Exactly. It, it is basically Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner um, in this traditional big room with a big, you know, center table where everyone right. kind of sits together and you talk. And um, it's another place where there's this kind of infectious, like, pride in, in the club. Right. Um, and and with, the, with that question, uh, was there any sort of stuffiness or anything like that or standoffishness? You know, it, it's funny you mention that. I, um, I've heard and, well, you hear stories where you're like, you have to arrive in coat and tie mm-hmm. and you have to do this and be careful not to do that and certainly don't bring your phone. And so you arrive thinking, uh-oh. Me walking on eggshells the yeah, entire time. I'm going to be walking on eggshells. I better not step out of line because yeah. this will turn into a not fun day. And I didn't find that at all. In fact, um, you know, you think about this place where you've got to go in wearing coat and tie. When I finished the round, um, this family, uh, I think it was like three girls, a mom and a dad, mm-hmm. were walking across the, the course, walked kind of off the 18th green with us, and walked up to the front door of the, the clubhouse, and they were wearing jeans, and you know it was clear that they were just on a nice walk. Right. And the mother said, um, hi, you know, I'm sorry, my two daughters really need to use the bathroom. <laughs> Could we come in and, and use the bathroom? So, I, of course, I kind of looked at my hosts like, like hey, they're not asking me. Yeah. Um, and my host was like, of course, of course, come in. So, you know, brought them into the clubhouse. Oh, wow. and, okay. You know, so, it, you know, again, compare that to some of the private clubs we have here in the States where if you pulled up to Cypress Point and said, hey, I'm on a bike ride on, you know, 17-mile 17 17 drive. drive. Could I use your bathroom? They might say yes, but, you know, the private members only sign at the gate might have scared you off. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I didn't find any of that stuffiness. Um, wow. You know, now given if you there are certain things you do and certain things you don't do. Right. Um, you know, you don't show up for lunch and you're waterproof straight off the course. You know, OK, I have to wear a coat and tie if I'm right. going to do the lunch at Royal St. George's. Um you don't have your phone out in the you know while you're eating breakfast, yeah, you know, that sort of Exa- thing. Exactly, which um, you know is to an extent almost common sense, and yeah, it's something it's, that it's the that who's hosting sense. you um, should should let you you should let you be aware of. Agree, um, agree. Beforehand, yeah. Now, what's very cool is the fact that I had actually gone to Royal St George's before for the 2011 Open Championship. Oh, cool. Um, I worked there as an 18th green marshal, so I was one of those people standing on the 18th green holding up the quiet please sign. Right. Um, and seeing the course with all the grandstands up, with all the people there. Totally didn't do it justice. And on um, from what I could see when I was there walking around during the Open, the course just looked tough. It, it looked narrow and didn't look, I, I don't know, I, I mean, I, I hesitate to say it, it didn't look fun, um, which yeah. it just looked like a brute, you know, right. kind of like you think of some of the other Open venues that don't look like a really fun round. They just look like a great test of Lynx golf. Right. What I found was actually a really fun golf course. And I, I don't know if the fairways were wider when I played it than mm-hmm. when the pros play it. Maybe so. But I just had a blast. Yeah. It's a challenging, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's tough. Um, not right. easy, but was in great shape and was very, very fun to play. Tons of character, a lot of movement on, you know, 
it's it's as if they took every single bit of natural movement in the mm-hmm. land and took advantage of it. And just kind of um, accentuated it. Yeah, and... it, it's you know they could have like flattened out the dunes, and instead they took advantage of every single dip and turn. That's awesome. And and I I absolutely loved it. People should go on our Instagram and look at the photos. People ought to subscribe to Links Digital, or even if you aren't a subscriber, you can find Links Digital on the homepage of the Links Magazine website. And it's free. And it's free. And you can read the article and see the photos there. Um, kind of a different take than, than what I'm giving today. This is more of an you know, experiential, yeah, like experiential. What, what it was like in, yeah. instead of you know the, exactly. the historical aspects. And yeah. So it, it was fun. What I really enjoyed was uh, following the round, um, what we went in, changed in a coat and tie, right. did the lunch. And kind of people, the secretaries, the club managers from all of the three clubs, um, Rob, unfortunately, couldn't make it. Uh, he had to go play in a tournament. By the way, when I played with Rob, he had over 27 holes, seven birdies and an eagle and two bogeys. <laughs> yeah. So, it, so yeah, an absolute stick. So yeah. he, he went out and he was playing in a tournament. I, I want to my team on, in a tournament. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Um, so... It, I was amazed at how closely the three courses kind of work together, and um, they apparently over the years the relationships have changed and evolved. But everyone who's there right now, they are so encouraging of the other courses in the area. I mean, to hear um, you know uh, Royal St. Ports talk about how much they love the new Himalayas course at Prince's and how. Um, you know, they got a Prince's got a ton of rain uh, right before the opening. So the super brought over a big crew from Royal St. Ports to help them squeegee the greens. You know, it's all that sort of thing. It, it's all not communal, but they all help each other out with yeah. when they need it. And, yeah. all, and they're they, all a community at the end of the day. Exactly. And, they, they have this attitude of if my neighbor's course is better, like gets better and improves. And if I can help them improve, that gets more people here. And more not play not like, hey, I need to talk down my neighbor because that'll get more people to play my course. Yeah, it's no. It's an all ships rise. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. a rising tide. Oh, what is it? A rising tide raises all ships. Right. Yeah, they, that's the exact. Yeah, that just describes it perfectly. Absolutely. So that wrapped up a week, and it it was there was no low point. You know, I I mean it every I had everything from the fun and quirky at Saint Enoch to the, like, you better be playing well and, you know, soak in the history at Royal St. George's with the Open Championships. Um, and everything in between, it And everything like. in between, you know. Except for rain. Yeah, except for, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Kent, you know, is much closer to London, so it feels more connected. You can take trains very quickly in, like, an hour and a half from the Stop center man. of London to, to the Sandwich train station where oh, you wow. could, like, pretty much walk to these courses. Yeah. Um, as where Cornwall is much more of a holiday destination, you know, right. it's, it's a ways away from London, and that felt like these kind of carefree, you know, happy-go-lucky holiday villages. So it, it hit everything. Um, again, I encourage everyone to read the the big England feature, the eight-page England feature in um, July. Links digital. It's uh, accessible on the homepage of our website. Yep. Um, but I've enjoyed talking about it. It's it, it's so much fun to be able to kind of 
vocalize all this. You know, you have word counts and articles, and you can only include so much, and you can write a bunch. And, and it's you have not to a conversation, you know. Yeah, and exactly, exactly. And it's fun to bounce things back and forth. So I, I hope everyone's enjoyed the first episode of the Lynx Magazine Golf Podcast. There are going to be many more episodes to come. You'll you'll be hearing about um, travel topics that span from England trips to. Um, you know, flying your clubs places, how to get to different destinations, what's worth it, you know, different trips at different price points. So I think, Ian, you'd agree we've got a lot of... A lot of good topics. A lot uh, of good topics. On, we, we've got a massive list of topics. We, 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 we do. We do. And we just had to find a way to, to put them into action. and um, Yeah, and convince our bosses that what, we need a big budget to fly around the world <laughs> and, and record podcast episodes. So, so, so help us out, please. Yeah, yeah, so, every, everybody listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So share this with your friends. Yes. No, seriously. Well, perfect. Ian, looking forward to the next one already. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back next time. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for, uh, for talking through England with us, Graylin.